changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark, and it's Friend Friday on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Today, I'm going to introduce you to David Matthew Barnes, who is going to explain how you can become more successful by treating your career like it's an airport. You'll understand why when he explains how it works. But first, let me tell you who this new member of the Chicken Soup for the Soul family is. David Matthew Barnes, and his friends call him DM, is a best-selling author, playwright, poet, and screenwriter. He writes in multiple genres, including mysteries, thrillers, women's fiction, and young adult. Pretty amazing, right? He writes horror films, too, under the pen name Declan Mayfair. He also writes contemporary romance novels and screenplays under the pen name Ren Valentino. This guy is always writing. And his award-winning screenplays have earned many international accolades. He's won awards at the New Renaissance Film Festival in Amsterdam, the Play Film Festival in Paris, the Sunday Shorts Film Festival in London, and the Changing Faces International Film Festival in Sydney. He's also received for his scripts a Los Angeles Film Award, a New York Film Award, and a European Independent Film Award. And he was named the 2017 Grand Prize Jury Winner at Film Invasion LA for Best Screenplay. He has written more than 50 stage plays that have been performed in three languages in 10 countries, His work has appeared in more than 100 publications, including now his first story that we're publishing in a Chicken Soup for the Soul book. And he's a member of the Dramatists Guild of America, the International Thriller Writers, and the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. He earned his MFA in creative writing, no surprise there, at Queens University of Charlotte in North Carolina. And DM, David Matthew Barnes, has lived around the world but calls Chicago his hometown, although he also lives in Colorado. So welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast, David Matthew Barnes. Thank you very much. So very happy and honored to be here. Well, we're really thrilled. I was so excited when I saw that you had submitted a story for Chicken Soup for the Soul, the best advice I ever heard. And I just jumped on it. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that this well-known author has sent a story in. It was a real privilege to publish it. And I loved the topic. I loved the story. It's called Like an Airport. Do you want to explain what that's all about? Sure. It was, I think for most writers, we all, we sort of can always remember that, that definitive moment where we made that choice to become a writer and really pursue it at a maybe at a greater level than we had before that was that moment for me so i was an undergrad in chicago at a wonderful school there and i was a little starstruck because my teacher was a really well-known young adult author and had published many books so i I was nervous just to even make eye contact so to speak so she kept me after classes about three or four weeks into the semester and we turned in a couple of assignments up to that point and she kept me after and said, you know, I, I really think that you're going to make a career out of this. And, and I just feel and see that in you. And it was one of the first times I think that 
somebody sort of validated that and sort of spoke that language to me about, you know, you could do this at a different level and become a professional writer. And it was certainly the inspiration that I needed. And then she, you know, she said, I, I have some advice that I've sort of used in my own career. She, at this point, I think she'd published maybe 70 books for middle grade readers and, and young readers. And so a very impressive library of work she'd published. And I said, of course, I'll take any advice that you have to give to me. I, I would be a fool not to, right? And so she said, you need to treat your career, your writing career, like an airport. You need to have something boarding, landing, and taking off constantly to keep the work out there and, and to keep your readers very happy. And I thought about that, and it was just, it seems so simple, but it was such a great analogy for a very productive, fulfilling writing career of getting quality work out there at a really steady pace. So I took the advice and I applied it. And at that point, I had only been publishing a couple of things and was working on a handful of plays and so forth. And so I started this process of having something landing and boring and taking off constantly. And immediately I saw these great results. And I think it was just a matter of as a byproduct, it sort of created a, a wonderful time management system for me that I was paying equal attention to, to getting work written, getting work revised and ready to go, finding a good literary home for it, and then, you know, connecting with the work that was going out to the readers and, and audiences in terms of plays and scripts. And so I started, instead of calling it a writing plan, I started to call everything that I was doing a flight plan. So instead of like an action plan to keep that sort of airport analogy going in my life and in my writing life. And it's, it's just done, it's done great things. And, you know, years later, I'm still applying it and using that particular method to uh, all things that I, I approach as a writer in terms of just getting the work written and getting the work created, written, developed and so forth. And it's pretty interesting too, because like, I'm sure you travel a lot, Amy, <laughs> as a writer and, and editor and what you do and I think we spend a lot of times probably in airports. <laughs> so yes. Whenever I'm sitting in an airport, I'm always reminded of that advice that really kickstarted my entire career. I'm just sort of changing that approach of how to uh, to take your your writing from a a place of writing because you love to do it, but then taking it to that professional level of getting it out into the world, uh, into people's hands, such as yourself, that could connect uh, me with readers. I think it's great. It, I think she really taught a man how to multitask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, yeah, yep. That's they're very true. You know, and I, I guess you could apply that same analogy to other multitasking kind of busy kind of stuff happening in your life and have similar success, I'm sure. I have a son who's a journalist and another son who's a screenwriter. I think I'm going to share this story with both of them. <laughs> I, I definitely share it with my students too, for for sure. So do you teach writing as well as continuing this tremendous output of published work? I do. So I've been an arts educator for over a decade, and I work primarily with theater, theater arts students, uh, specifically in, in playwriting. Teaching, I teach playwriting, I teach uh, screenwriting, all sorts of variations of English composition and so forth. So the art students, I think the storytellers, the creative students that just want to use their imagination to express themselves, you know, we're a breed of our own. And so it's really rewarding to work with those students students on a daily basis, for sure. That is very cool. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to you more and learn some of your tricks for how to have such a huge output of written work and the discipline that goes into it.
We're back with David Matthew Barnes, and we're talking about his writing career because he writes books for children. He writes books for young adults. He writes books for adults. He writes screenplays. He writes plays for the stage. But I'm amazed that you can work in so many genres. How do you keep it all straight? <laughs> um, it's a really good organization, which sometimes I'm good at and sometimes I'm not so good at. I have to be quite honest. But it's so one thing that I do is I always only work on one project at a time just so that, that there's not that the blurring of lines. So and it really helps me stay focused. For a while early on, I was trying to work on simultaneous projects and I just felt my focus was too split. So I, the discipline's tough. I think it's tough for any writer. I think one of the challenges for anybody who is an artist or writer is finding the time to devote to, to our craft. And uh, that that's certainly been a challenge for me. So I know myself. And so I get the writing done first thing in the morning. I do a thousand words a day. Uh, they might not be great words, <laughs> but, but I get them down on paper just so that it's happening. And so just getting that time right away first thing in the morning before, you know, the, the daily life begins. And it's a nice, quiet time. It's tough to do that because it certainly requires a lot of dedication. But the results come in the rewards of sharing stories with readers and, and hearing back from them, especially for young people and, and hearing back from them, young people who've read my books. In, in the era of age of social media, I hear from a lot of young people. So that's definitely a, an inspiration to keep writing, to get up early in those mornings and drink that cup of coffee and get to work. But I'm a reader. I, I read so many different genres and appreciate the individualness of each of those genres. And so as a reader and as a writer, I really, I, stories, when they come to me, I figure out what genre is going to be best. And then I figure out what format the story needs to be told in. So sometimes I'll get an idea and I'm like, oh, this might work as a novel. And then starting the process, I'm like, you know, I think this is going to work better for the stage or for the screen. So I'll switch the format pretty early on. That's amazing. It's amazing how much you can work and how many different genres. And it's just incredible. So you come up with an idea and then you pick which of your personas and which genre you're going to write it in. <laughs> and I love the fact that you write for young people. Now, do you write novels for young people? I do. So I've written a total of 12 novels. Uh, most of those have been for young adult readers. Those books are primarily for like 14 or 15 up, so high school age. I write about some pretty complicated issues sometimes and sensitive subjects, which really connect with readers. School librarians have been very, very good to me in terms of connecting my work with readers that might benefit from a book that I've written in terms of looking for representation or validation. Uh, I've written a lot of young adult books and young adult material for LGBTQ teens and an era where that particular group of young people just need a little bit of uh, guidance sometimes in terms of representation and self-reflection, seeing, seeing themselves or versions of themselves on the page, I think is, is can be very helpful. And it's so, it's so rewarding, as I said earlier, just getting, I get a lot of messages and, and letters and, and so forth from young people that have really connected with something. And when you're tired or you're really exhausted, it's really nice to get that. It's sort of a reminder of how he won that I get to do what I get to do, but two, that if you make that difference in one reader's life, that you've really done what you're supposed to do as a writer. Oh, absolutely. And we also try to help LGBTQ kids and their parents because we publish mm -hmm. stories written by kids about what it was like coming out. We also publish stories by the parents, including parents of transgender kids. And it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's helped a lot of people. I really feel like we have a responsibility as storytellers to make sure that mm -hmm. 
we give all of these kids the support that they need and their parents and grandparents too. Yeah, because it it can really change the entire dynamic of, of a family. And in this day and age, you know, family is so important and just having that place. And, and I agree with you. I think as writers, as artists, I think it's sort of our, uh, it is our responsibility, but we get to have that opportunity to make those connections and lives that we don't even realize that we're helping. Yeah, and I know what you mean about getting the emails or the letters about how you've helped somebody because that happens all the time for us. And we always pass those letters and emails around and we all work so hard, right? All of us editors and writers. And it's a lonely profession. You're sitting there in front of a screen that's looking at you like, okay, what are you going to do for me now? Right? Right? Sometimes our coworkers are are just our characters. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's really nice to know that it's working and it's helping people while at the same time you're actually making a living from it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's in those, those words from readers, I think, are just so motivating uh, for us as artists to keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, they are. And I hope that you are going to send us more stories because it was really an honor to publish you in Chicken Soup for the Soul, the best advice I ever heard. And I am definitely going to use your airport analogy in controlling <laughs> my own work day. That's really terrific. So thank you. Thank you so much, David Matthew Barnes, for joining us today. We have a lot of writers listening to this podcast, and I'm sure that the advice that you have shared will really help them. Where can people learn more about you and your work? Uh, They can visit my website, which is at davidmatthewbarnes.com. Okay, terrific. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, and I look forward to seeing you in our uh, submitted stories database again in the future. Thank you so much, Amy. I really, and thank you for all that you do for writers. We, we appreciate it. <laughs> well, we try. I'm Amy Newmark. Thanks for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. Come back for our next episode for more inspiration and life-changing advice. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or Google or wherever you like to get your podcasts, because that way each new episode will show up automatically. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.